Welcome to Abundant Life Foursquare Church. We are streaming live from Bremerton, Washington. May God bless you as you watch. Isn't it a great day to be in God's house? Honestly, there's no place I'd rather be this morning. I want to bring greetings from Pastor Steve and Lois as they're traveling in California right now. And and would ask you to pray for them for some rest and refreshing and that they would be able to just connect with uh, family and all that's going on for them today. And just in, just pray a prayer of encouragement and restoration for them today. You know, last week, Pastor Steve brought a message, keep it holy, keep it simple. And he began to really talk about this idea using Leviticus chapter 26, where it says, I will be your God and you will be my people. He talked about keeping the church pure and that idea that we really need to be aware of how when we live in the culture, and you have to live in the culture, amen? I mean, this is where we live. We live in this country. We live in this time. We live in this time in history. You know, you cannot be separated from the culture that's around us, but we need to keep the church pure and to understand that we have to guard and be aware of how the culture can creep into the church. And we need to make sure that our doctrine is true to God's word and it's uncontaminated. We need to keep it simple, simple, uncontaminated. And we talked about that God was a jealous God, that he's jealous for the church that he wants us to be set apart for him. He wants us to be in relationship with him, and that would be the primary relationship. He doesn't want anything to ruin that relationship with him, nothing that would get between us. He wants us to keep it holy. This morning, I want us to continue to look at this process. And we're going to do something just a little different this morning. I'm going to ask if out of respect, if you would stand for the reading of God's word. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, which is recorded in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he begins to teach about prayer and he says, and when you pray... You shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And I would like you to read this together with me. Let's read this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. We all recognize that passage of Scripture. Many of us have probably prayed that prayer, you know, since the very first time that we were introduced to God, introduced to Jesus. See, today we're going to focus on prayer. And in this, we want to keep in mind that we want to keep it holy. We want to keep our prayer set apart to God. We want to keep our prayer focused on God. And we want to keep it simple, pure, and uncontaminated. Psalm 69.13 says this, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. And I want to start by really thinking about what is prayer? What, what is this thing that we call prayer? Prayer is having a real, personal conversation with Almighty God. Prayer is a two-way interaction. It's not a dictation to God. It's not a dissertation, just kind of laying out whatever our thoughts and, and things are. It's a conversation. It's a personal interaction with the almighty creator of the universe. We come reverently. You know, with respect, have you ever been in the presence of somebody that you really respect, a grandparent, a parent, someone that for whatever reason that you think very highly of, and, and you come with respect it means that you want to actually hear what they have to say. You want to listen to what they're going to respond back. That we actually are not just interested in talking at them, but talking with them and being open. See, this is what prayer is. It's talking to God. But it really is genuinely talking with Him. We are honest with God. I've been around a lot of individuals, myself included, that I feel like that I have to couch my prayers in such a way that they sound right, and I'm not really honest because I don't want to feel the pain of my failure. I don't want to feel the embarrassment of the decisions that I've made or, the, or where I've fallen short. So I pray just close enough to be able to say, yeah, I prayed about that, but I'm not really open it's like looking at somebody that's a friend that you say, you know, I treated you wrongly, and, and that was not a good thing to do. But when I really get repentant with Lee and I say, you know, I talked about you, I, I broke our confidence, and I opened up, you know, and in some ways I hurt your character in others' eyes. See, that's being real and genuine. I haven't done that to you, by the way, but you're sitting in front of me, so you're my target. But there's a difference between, yeah, I'm sorry I did something 
you know, that wasn't good and really being open and honest and having a relationship that says, you know what, I want to be so real with you that we can repair our relationship and that we can be okay. That's what prayer is. That is what we come to talk with God. We're reverent and open and we talk to him. We're honest with God and with ourselves about what is in our heart and what is on our mind. And, and I want you to understand prayer is not about prayer. It's not about the words that you say. It's not about just praying to say, yeah, I prayed. Prayer is not about prayer like this cell phone is not about a cell phone. Hello? You know, in this form right here, it might make a good paperweight. Or maybe a doorstop. That's probably what it should get used for. But if I use this in the way that it was intended... then it has a purpose, right? If it works. Oh, there it is. Hi, Jess. I'm doing good. You know, I, I know all that you did to make services happen today and to, you know, make all this technical stuff work and to make the sound work, and to, to train everybody. And I just want to tell you that you're important, and I really appreciate all that you've done today. Yeah. And you're a man of God, and I, I'm praying for you, and I just, I really want you to know that you're important. Amen, brother. Well, you have a great day, and we're going to continue to worship God. Amen? See, that's what this was designed for. This was designed to engage someone on the other end, to help you to connect, to have personal relationship, to interact, to be able to share something of yourself. That's what prayer is about. Prayer isn't about just words. Prayer is about engaging with God. Prayer is not prayer if you're not truly engaging God. Prayer is not prayer if we're simply going through the motions. We want to keep it holy. We want to keep it set apart for God. Amen. I want to look at Jesus' teaching. That's why we read this passage out of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6 really has a lot to say about prayer. It says, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, the play actors, those that look good but aren't necessarily what they are portraying. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues. They love to pray standing in the church. They love to pray where they're seen, on the corners and on the streets. They want to be seen by men. They want to look good. They want to have a good reputation. They want others to think that they're holy and righteous and right and that, you know, that they're these great people. And make no mistake, there's nothing wrong with praying in public. We did that today, right? But he's saying, be careful about what your heart attitude is. That they may be seen to men, assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. And what is that reward? It's the accolades of man. Wow, that person must really be, you know, they must really be holy. 
They must really be a spiritual giant. Listen to the way that they're speaking. God says, but you, when you pray, go into your room and shut your door. Why? Because he's saying, I want you to have a conversation with me. I want you to be honest with me. I want to have that kind of privacy that we can actually interact at a relational level that has intimacy, that has integrity, that has openness, that allows us to be together. And it says, and pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and he who sees in secret will reward you openly. See, prayer is about the heart. It's about what's going on in here. Here's the reality of things. You can get down on your knees. You can bow your head. You can close your eyes, and you can even speak words out loud that sound like a prayer. But if all you're trying to do is to impress people, if all you're trying to do is to to make sure that people around you think that you're a good person, there's a problem. See, if you are not talking directly to God, you're not praying. You're not praying. See, Luke chapter 18 begins to speak about this. Jesus, again, teaching in a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. It says that two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. And we read that, and we think, well, that's ridiculous. Who's going to stand in front of anybody and, and say those kind of words? Who's going to stand? But we do that with our heart, with our attitude. When we come before God with an attitude that thinks that I'm better than any other person, that somehow I measure up and someone else doesn't measure up, when I think that the only person that might have the right answers, the person that has the, the best connection with God is me. I'm walking in a dangerous place. And it goes on and it says, I fat, go back, go back, there you go. I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all I possess. And see, this is where this Pharisee was coming from. He says, I've earned it, God. I'm I'm good, see? I tithe. I make a display of what I do to show how good and how righteous and how right I am. Make no mistake, this was not about being a mentor or a teacher or an example. You know, there's there's a fine line, and it's a line that... You have to really check your heart. But when you cross over that line, and it's about me, look how good I am. I'm doing everything right. God owes me. We would never say that, but our attitude is that way. Of course we would never say that. But when our attitude is that way, it stands between us and our Heavenly Father. And then it goes on, 
And it says, and the tax collector standing far off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I've messed up. I've done everything wrong. I've been mean. I've been angry. I've been deceitful. I've taken advantage of people. I've not made right decisions. God, be merciful to me because I have messed it up. And when he stands before a holy God with a broken and contrite heart, it says that God, God will exalt that person. This man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Why? And it's not saying that God's going to raise up the tax collector in front of the community and say, see how great a tax collector this guy is? It's talking about being exalted in God, about being right with God. And if something else good comes along with that, fabulous. But it's about being in a good, right relationship with God. Make no mistake, we should come humble. Amen? I mean, think about it. Jesus made a way for us to stand in the presence of a holy God. If we stood before God on our own power, we would be nothing but a little grease spot. Because God would have no option except to end the presence of sin in his presence. But Jesus made a way for us to stand in the presence of a holy God. It is nothing we did for ourselves, and it's certainly not something we deserve. But by the blood sacrifice of Jesus, we have the privilege of standing in the very presence of a holy God, the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. We can stand in his presence. That should make us speechless. That should change our lives. See, how can we stand in the presence of Almighty God and dictate to Him or be self-righteous? Mark chapter 15 says this, Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Do you get the picture of that? That's not man tearing the veil. That's almighty God taking the veil, ripping it in half, opening up the way between himself and us as his believers, as his family, as his flock. God made the choice. See, he tore the veil from top to bottom so that when the centurion who stood opposite Jesus as he was dying, saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was the Son of God. He testified to who Jesus was. And it goes on in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter by the holiest, by the blood of Jesus... When it's talking about entering with boldness, he's not talking about entering with arrogance. He's not talking about entering with an, an idea of, you know, this world owes me. 
that something is there. No, he's talking about the idea of I've been invited into the very presence of the most powerful person, the most powerful being. And I'm there because of the blood of Jesus, a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil. And in that righteousness that has been put on me by the blood of Jesus, I can stand in the presence of a holy God and have a conversation. See, that should bring us to our knee. When we stand before God, this is the way we should stand. I'm not talking about posture, but I'm talking about heart that says, I am so privileged to be able to be here right now and to talk to you. It is such an honor to be able to, first of all, recognize who you are, that you are the king. You are the creator. You are the only one that's right and righteous and true and pure and holy. And no matter what this world may say, ultimately we're going to see the truth of his word completely revealed. And in that, I can stand in your presence. And now thank you for the privilege of being your son or your daughter and allowing me to talk to you about what's on my heart, what's going on in my life, what's going on with my family, what's going on with my church, what's going on with my community, what's going on in this place. God wants us to come confident but humble. Amen? Keep prayer holy. Keep it holy. Set apart to God. Focused on God. Talking to God. And this is really about the heart of recognizing that when I open my mouth to speak, where am I really directing that to? And it, it comes from inside, right? It's about your character. And then we are to keep it simple. Keep our prayer pure and uncontaminated. It goes on in the Sermon on the Mount And it says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need before you ask Him. Now, I've been a parent, and I'm a grandparent right now. I can understand what He means by this Scripture. My kids and my grandkids need shelter. They need food. They need love. They need attention. They need a sense of well-being. They need my experience to help them avoid some of the, the pitfalls in life. There's a lot of things they need. We could go on and on. And God's saying, I know what you need. I've been here a few more years than you have. I have a little bit more experience than you have. I know what you need. And this is the heart. It says, therefore, don't just beat on God's eardrums thinking that for your many words that somehow you're going to break through. But approach him like a father who knows the things that you need. In other words, that loving relationship. Repeating words incoherently, you know, without thought, without intention, that's not prayer. 
just beginning to just say whatever is the first thing that comes. That's not prayer. Keeping someone genuine, genuinely in your mind or your thoughts is not prayer. You know, when you say that you're going to pray for someone, pray for them. Just happening to think about them once in a while, that's not prayer. It may be good. You can be encouraging. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm saying it's not prayer unless you really engage the Father about that person. Repeating a memorized prayer, even the Lord's Prayer, is not prayer. We read the Lord's Prayer today, and, and I almost messed it up because I'm used to, you know, a different version that I learned from the time I was wee little. But see, here's the idea. You can say the Lord's Prayer all you want. And if you're not talking to God, you're not praying. And that's a concept that I think is missed in the church today, the, the grander, the broader church. It's not about anything other than your heart and your relationship with God. It has to come from the heart. And we contaminate our prayers when we come with wrong motives, when we come out of duty. I had a great time with the men yesterday. We had a powerful time together. And I've challenged the men of Abundant Life to make a life change. And one of the things that's going to be a struggle for us as men, if we engage in becoming men of valor, men of prayer, men of integrity, is that there are going to be times when our prayers just turn into, I have to do this. And that's not prayer, guys. We have to check our hearts every time we enter into the presence of God and to make sure that we're speaking to the creator of the universe, that we're speaking to the Lord of, the, of God's armies. Amen? We contaminate our, our prayers when we come out of sense of duty, when we just go through vain repetition. I have nothing against prayer books. You know, I grew up Episcopalian. We had a prayer book. We had things that some of those folks are the most godly people I know because their heart is so after Jesus. And when they pray those prayers, they are praying from the depth of their soul. You can pray the Lord's Prayer from the depth of your soul, but when it's just repetition, just words, because it's the good words that we've heard, that's not prayer. When nothing that we've said is from our heart and nothing is directed to God's heart, it's not prayer. Amen? See, I want us to understand prayers about relationship. I can't have a relationship with my wife if I don't spend time with her, if I don't talk to her, if I don't listen to her. If I don't consider what it is that she's said, and, and she reciprocates with that same kind of behavior. See, this is what God is calling us to be, is in relationship with him. And we see in Matthew, continuing on in the Lord's Prayer, it says, In this matter, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Don't you just love that? You know, sometimes I think it's a struggle 
to think of God as our Father. Because we don't want to be profane, right? I don't want to, to be so familiar and kind of like just stop, hey, Daddy, you know. But it would be really good if we could understand that His love for us is like a Daddy. His love for us is like a Father. And that's what He's saying is, ultimately, you're my children, our Father, hallowed, respected, holy is your name. You are the most important person in my life. You are the most important time that I have in this day is the time that I get to spend with you. A matter of fact, without that, I'm missing something important. It's kind of like, you remember last week, you can either plug the plug into yourself, you know, plugging it into the power strip into itself, and it doesn't go very far. You can plug it into the power source. See, that's what God wants for us, and that's what our Father. See, when we pray, and I want you to get this, when we pray, genuine prayer allows us to know Father God more intimately. I believe in God, but He's not personal. I believe in God, but He's not real. I would almost, without exception, say, check your prayer life. Because... Either one of two things is happening. You're not praying at all, or you're not praying to God. You're praying out of your own power to whatever it is that you think should happen. When we have genuine prayer, just like when we have genuine conversation with someone, we begin to understand who they are. We begin to understand what's their heart, what's their mind, what's their will, what's going on inside of them. When it's a two-way conversation and connection, genuine prayer helps me to know God the Father more intimately. It helps me to worship Him by knowing His heart. Amen? When we pray, we get to know who God is. We get to know His heart more fully. And when we pray, our relationship with God becomes two-way when we allow ourselves to listen and to get into a place of communication And we're not talking at God, but we're talking with God. See, that's what Jesus is teaching us right here. He's not saying our Father because He was God's Father. He's saying our Father because what did He say in other places? To them that believe He gave the right to become what? Children of God. He's our Father. And Jesus is modeling. Approach Him with that kind of love and respect. It goes on and says, your kingdom come. Your kingdom. See, a lot of times we kind of read that and we forget that God's kingdom is established right here, right now. And that this earth ultimately is going to come to an end. Your kingdom come. And then he goes on. What is that going to look like? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And how can his will be done? It's because we as believers are to act in accordance with and directive with his will. Is it going to be perfect right now? No. But can we act in accordance with his will? Absolutely. 
It, matter of fact, it says in another place that the only reason the world hasn't digressed into complete chaos and destruction right now is because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, in this world, restraining what's going to take place. And at some point, it will take place. Ask one of the men that was here yesterday, and they'll tell you that it wasn't the wickedness of Sodom that caused the destruction. It was the lack of any goodness standing between Sodom and God's judgment. Go look at that. You'll be surprised. Genuine prayer helps me to know God's will, and it helps me to know His ways better and more clearly. It helps me to know how to live according to His will and His direction, living as a part of His kingdom here and now. See, prayer changes me as I get to know Him better. I've looked at Tom over here a couple of times, and you know it always stands out to me because I wouldn't be riding a bicycle if it wasn't for this guy. But I interacted with him, and now I'm one of those crazy people that rides 100 miles at a time, usually chasing somebody like him. But see, that's what God's talking about. When you interact with him, it'll change your life. I went from being a fat couch potato over 200 pounds to being a guy that actually is in decent shape and have friends that are active, and he literally changed my life. He's changed my life in other ways, but that's just a really practical way. But see, that's what God's saying to us. It's like when you pray, when you interact, when you know my will, when you begin to make the choices to do that, I will change you at a core level. I will change who you are as a human being and bring you more into the likeness of what I created you to be in the first place. See, I'm better prepared to imitate or emulate him. But if I don't know him, I can't do that. I can read the word of God all day long, and I can have lots of education and knowledge, but I know nothing of the heart. It takes interaction with God to know the heart. I can read a bicycling magazine all day long. It doesn't make me capable of riding a bicycle. Do you get the point? It's about interacting with God. Prayer helps us to know his voice. John 10. I love this. To him, the shepherd the good shepherd, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Isn't that cool? I'm going to take a little rabbit trail. Do you know God knows your name? He knows your name, Keith. He knows your name, Susie. He actually does. He's aware of who you are as an individual. Isn't that cool? And it says that when the shepherd comes and the gatekeeper opens, he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own, his own flock, and he goes before them leading them, you know, get that idea again of Jesus is leading the way, taking us where he wants us to go. The sheep follow. Why? Because they know his voice. You can't know God's voice if you don't pray. Well, there may be that miraculous moment, a burning bush, a crisis moment where God will speak, you know, that moment of clarity that happens. You know, I'm not, I'm not discounting that. But to know God's voice, 
You have to interact with him and be listening. And then you would follow after. It says, matter of fact, spending time with Jesus helps transform us into his image. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and I love this passage. But we all with unveiled face. Okay, I'm not wearing a veil, right? I don't see any of you guys wearing a veil right now. All of us with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. That's his image being imprint upon you. That's his image starting to be revealed in you. The glory of the Lord. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from the opportunity to make a decision to follow his will, to make a right choice or a wrong choice, making the right choice, the opportunity to follow his leading and his leadership and to do it the right way from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, he's leading us, and when we do things right, more and more, the image of God is revealed in his creation, revealed in us. It goes on in the Lord's Prayer, and it says, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I've always, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Very important concept about forgiveness. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, prayer gives us access to God's power and his provision. What does it say? No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. And with the temptation, God will make a way of escape. How does he do that? God, help me. God, help me right now. This is what I'm facing. See, we need to understand that Power doesn't come simply by knowledge of God. Power comes by relationship with God. And that is what prayer is all about. Prayer gives us access to God's power and His provision. The provision of His wisdom, the provision of His Word, the provision of meeting our needs. Prayer helps us to focus on advancing God's kingdom and benefiting from being in alignment with this plan. Again, I had this conversation with the men yesterday. And this is something that I said to them directly. If you're putting anything, I can't come to a prayer breakfast. I can't come to a meeting. I can't come to, uh, you know, worship service. I can't do any of these things because I'm too busy. I, I've got to take care of this in my family. I've got to make it to these ball games. I've got to make it to, to this social activity. Then your priorities are out of whack. Uh, I love ball games. I love riding my bike. I love doing so many of the things you do. This is what I've learned. If you put God first every time, I'm not talking about making every meeting. I'm not talking, I'm talking about literally putting him first every time and making sure, God, what do you want me to do today? Do I need to go to this meeting or is it okay to do this? What in this one instance, what is it? And I make that 
every single time. And then with integrity, I do exactly what God has called me to do. Because he gives us the big picture, right? He gives us his principle. It says, do not forsake the gathering together of God's people, as is the habit of some, but stir each other toward love and good works, even more as you see the day of Christ approaching. See, he's not saying every single time, but he's saying don't forsake, don't let that become second. When we make God the priority, he gave us that family. He will bring every other thing into priority. He will make sure we have time with our spouse. He will make sure we have time with our kids. He will make sure that we have time to enjoy the creativity and the culture and the activities around us. He will make sure that Our kids grow up with an understanding that God is the most important, not that the world is the most important. And we fit God in where he, you know, might have some extra time, but God is the most important. And then where there's some extra, then we can put the world in there. And make no mistake, Jesus was social, right? He went to weddings. You know, he spent time with non-believers. He went, there are places where it talks about him going to dinner with people. He interacted. He did things. Put God first. Everything else will come into alignment. And I guarantee you, if you put recreation and other things first, there will never be enough time for everything you want to do, and there will certainly never be enough time for God. See, Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. And it, the Lord's prayer ends with, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This final thought reminds us that God is in control. God's in control. He is the powerful and mighty one. God's kingdom is going to endure long after he's put an end to Satan and his minions. Long after. Paul understood the power of prayer when he prayed for us. Ephesians 3. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We are in him. It says that he would grant you. That's us. That's not only the Ephesians. When you look at that, that's us. He's talking about not only the Ephesians, but he's looking well beyond that group of people. And he says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might, through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the other saints. Okay, that's the us part of this. With all the other saints, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ with passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is where prayer leads. We need to keep it holy, and we need to keep prayer simple, pure, and uncontaminated. We're closed with this. Prayer is conversation, communication, and communion. You know, that idea of communion means time spent together with God. Prayer is conversation that we might know him more intimately, actually know him, that we might love him more completely, love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, that we might worship him with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our strength. 
Prayer is conversation with God in order to understand His will more fully. To be able to conform our lives to His will and to His ways. To to be able to know what is it that He wants me to do right now today in Bremerton, Washington in 2018. What is it that He wants right here? Because He made no mistake putting me at this place at this time with all of us together. Prayer is conversation with God in order to access His power. If we do it in our own power, we're going to get slaughtered. It allows us to access His power, His glory, and to advance His kingdom. And we advance His kingdom by sharing the gospel. We advance His kingdom by living with integrity. We advance His kingdom by giving testimony to, I was in this pickle I prayed, and this is what God did. We advance His kingdom when we live in relationship and as believers in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Prayer, it's powerful. We need to keep it holy and keep it simple. Thank you for joining us today. To find out more information about us, go to our website at alfc.us or download the app at whatever app store you use. We look forward to seeing you next week.